I say it with so much pride today, Saki has surpassed me by far in regard to theology. Uh, uh, he is truly, a, truly a theologian, and it's not just a name, that is actually what he does. He is a theologian. But I want to say about Saki that makes him rare when it comes to true theologians is that Saki, even though this man, I mean, he is, he is, he is a library, he is an encyclopedia right there as he stands. <laughs> you can press any button and it will just spit out, you know, better than Google. But, <laughs> but he's always remained in regard to the things of God, a soft heart that's never substitute mere knowledge with relationship with the Lord. So this combination of man that's really studious and study with a soft heart for Jesus is really, really special about him. So I, I'm excited what this guy's going to bring. So I, you want to play cards? Or? Okay. <laughs> All right, Jesus, I, oh Lord, I thank you for Saki and I thank you for the gift that he is, Lord Jesus. I thank you for how you've shaped him and how you've worked in him, Father. <laughs> Not just in the, in, the, in, 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 a, in, a, in the study closet, but with life. You have shaped a message, Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we want to open ourselves up this morning. Lord, that you, through this vehicle, Father, want to break open the word to us and speak to us, Lord Jesus. We are open, anoint him, and bless him now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Carl. Uh, <coughs> it was a lekker worship service, so my voice has got out some miles already. So let's uh, hope uh, everything goes all right. Um, it is a real privilege for me to share with you this morning. I, um, yeah, speaking uh, first time I preached here was last October, and I, I thought it would be a bit more sort of nerve-wracking, but really it feels like speaking to family, um, speaking to you guys, and, and it's a real privilege. So, um, something that has been highlighted to me um, recently, um, I've just listening to some folks hearing, um, it's just this thing about but how to handle difficulty. Uh, you know, when, when things are difficult, you know, there is going to be times where um, where you will, um, you have a serious depression, right, and you'll be sort of chemical, or you'll need some, I don't know, medicine, and need to speak to people, and there's no shame in that, but that's that, and uh, other times, sorry, I'm just a bit loud, I ask to be Oh, am I? Okay, it feels like I'm... Okay, good. I'm okay, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, then there's other times where you... Um, there's something that God needs to do, you know, in a moment. There's something, whatever the cause is, in a moment, God... You know, and then, but there's also, I think, there's a vast majority of that where it's somewhere in... The, uh, you know, there's just... It's just difficulty, and you need to work through it. There's not going to be some pill or some miracle... And I'm, I'm hoping this morning I can help. And you see a bit of that in the Bible as well, uh, by the way. And I'm hoping to just journey with us a bit through that. Um, I uh, remember last year, um, Ruan, for those of you uh, who remember, Ruan preached on Job, right? It was a really amazing preach. Um, I recommend, if you haven't heard it, if you, if, if you don't there, to, to see it. And I remember at the time, um, I just, I was studying Job, or just before then, I was going through Job, and I was, you know, thought, oh, and there's a lot of stuff that he has that needs to ca uh, carry, and 
And just as everyone started preaching, I was a bit miffed. I was like, I'm standing in Job. Why didn't everybody, anybody ask me to preach on Job? <laughs> um, but when Ruan, for those of you who know the difficulty he's been through, uh, you know, when he was done preaching, I was like, man, he was just the guy to bring that message. And I haven't, not that I've been through, I think he's, uh, you know, whatever the weight is of the things I've been through, but there's some been some things that God has journeyed through, with me through, and I've, uh, the scriptures I'm going to share today and try and get us through and try and draw application from have meant a lot to me. So I'm hoping that I can um, can bring that. Uh, this morning I want to look at uh, specifically the idea of um, lament in the Psalms, right? Lament, it means to sort of make known <laughs> that you're going through a difficult time. Um, and I, I love the Psalms um, and lament Psalms also part of the reason why I want to sort of speak on it or make us aware, raise awareness of it, is because I think there's this, uh, there's this idea in the church that lament psalms pretty much has, uh, the basic theme is, you know, life sucks, but praise God anyway. <laughs> and and it's, it's not what's going on there. <laughs> yes, we get to praise in the end, but uh, even listening this morning and listening in prayer this, uh, this morning, I think really... Uh, I think the thing uh, that needs to be understood is that sometimes there's a journey to get to praise, uh, and you have to sort of uh, I'm going a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, now this morning, sorry, this thing. Okay, this morning there might be some of you who are not facing difficulty, like me. You might have a beautiful wife and a reliable Toyota Yaris, <laughs> and you don't have any trouble. But for you, I also want to encourage you to keep an ear because there might come some difficulty that you're going to need. Uh, some of the things I hope uh, to bring forth today. And there's also the thing in Romans 12, 15, where it talks about mourning with those who mourn. And I think if you understand just sort of the, a bit of what, um, how to handle difficulty yourself and it makes you compassionate for other people going through stuff. So if you're into titles, this morning's sermon, uh, you can call uh, The Importance of Lament. And what I want to do is uh, I'm going to look through some uh, psalms, two psalms, actually. I'm going to read them in the whole because they sort of form a unit. And if you listen to uh, it, it, you will even understand. Uh, and then after that, I will look at some, just observe some things from the text, show you how the poet is trying to trying to uh, show what he's going through, trying to uh, address God. And then after that, we will, I will draw some applications. How, what does it mean, what I've said, and what we find in the verses and some ideas, side ideas as well. How does that help us, you know, in our difficulty? How can that help you in your difficulty? So just some ideas um, before the time as we go into the Psalms, things to be aware of, so you're going to appreciate it more going in, um, is that the poet, in order to capture the psalmist, in order to capture your imagination and touch your heart, uses a lot of uh, change between space and time. Um, and he looks to his glorious past. Um, and I hope I can, can extract to you here that there's theological importance, things he's saying and seeing about God, things about his experience that I'm hoping can mean things to us as well. But he moves from his glorious past where he remembers what the good God has done. His very present, uh, present quite difficult, quite difficulty, actually probably in a time of captivity, 
an exile, and then he looks again to the future, to a glorious hope, uh, sorry, to a glorious future that he hopes for. And also, as far as places is concerned, with understanding the, in the Psalms, it's all about Jerusalem because it's the mountain of God. It is where, uh, where God dwelt, where you could go and meet God. And the psalmist starts or remembers Jerusalem and he focuses in presence where he is now in the difficulty. And he hopes to be restored to Jerusalem again, to be in the temple where God's presence was in the Old Testament. The only place where you could go to meet with him. And he's hoping to be restored to there. As well, look out for themes of remembering and forgetting. And there's also a refrain, uh, sort of a thing, that just means a thing that's repeated. If I say refrain, um, that keeps coming up and that the psalmist uses to encourage himself uh, to have hope. And you, you're going to recognize it. In fact, you already know it. Uh, you just don't know it. Um, so I'm just going to read. Uh, you can just put the psalms up there. Um, I'm going to read Psalm 42 and 43, so I'm just going to read through them here. <coughs> As the deer pants for the springs of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. I pray to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones have suffered mortal agony as my foes taunt me all day long, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning? Oppressed by the enemy. Send me your life and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain. To the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a lyre, O God my God. 
Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Going over into um, some observations now, we can start again. Um, the psalmist starts by declaring. The psalmist starts by declaring his desire for God, and actually, these are obviously much loved words. Uh, you know, just read it and and just think about some time. You know, you were close to God. Uh, but the sadness is there. They're quite shallow. Uh, the appreciation of them is quite shallow because uh, of the divorced in our understanding from its context. You think if you dig, uh, you know, if you consider it in its context, it's so much uh, deeper. Moving on to verse three, uh, he starts with the complaint. Uh, it's the first time that he complains, uh, and he complains that uh, instead of he, he longs, he thirsts for God's presence, but instead. He's just being nourished by his own fears. That is uh, all, has, all he has. That's his experience. That's all he has. And he notes being mocked by his enemies because God is not coming through for him. Moving on to verse 4, we see the first thing of remembrance. Uh, and he, as he laments, he remembers enjoying God's nearness and the joy of the life at the temple. Imagine a church on a Sunday morning. Imagine a gathering of 412 conference, some worship night on a Friday with your friends, and you remember that. And you felt God felt so close. But in his present circumstance, it's difficult. After that, in verse 5, we see the first uh, interlude uh, that he interrupts himself every now and then, the refrain that comes, where he encourages himself. It's actually a word play uh, between uh, where he says, uh, when he says his soul is disturbed and he talks about the tumult, the, 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 the roar of the crowd during the worship, during the celebration, during the festival, and uh, his own soul when he, when in the difficulty that is going on inside him. But he reminds himself of the, also of the amazing times he did have with God at, and thinking back and encourages himself with that to trust in God in light of God's good goodness in the past. He encourages himself uh, to hope in God, expect deliverance, and that praise will follow. I think the thing that's important is that in the, um, I will yet praise him, that yet, uh, I think sometimes misunderstood to mean anyway. Praise God anyway, right? But that's not what he is. He's expecting deliverance, and he says, when God has delivered me, I will again praise him, and, and it will be in response to the deliverance that, was, that, that God did deliver him. After that, he returns to complaint again. Uh, he says that he's back in his present situation, and he's downcast. He remembers God's uh, past faithfulness, but he is in a difficult place. And the place uh, named there is sort of in, in North Galilee, and one commentator says it might just be the last glimpse he had of Judea as he's being carried into captivity away from God's presence, away from the place where God uh, dwells, where he did meet with his God. And uh, that verse, of course, uh, the deep calls to deep is, is quite known, and it's sort of understood as this, uh, this sort of myst mystical connection with God, but... That's not actually what it's about. 
he talks about the waterfalls and the waves and the breakers and breakers just being a word for a big wave <laughs> and and it's just and 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 what's the word he uses swept over him it's like adversity just like knocking over him and of course being in awe of, aware of God's sovereignty he says your waves and your breakers this is difficulty you're doing this to me and and of course we are um, if we believe that God is in control but we are left to to question to wonder what is God doing we won't always have answers but I'll get the application later uh, the beautiful thing in verse 8 he he stops himself in the midst of all this, and he just becomes aware, even in his current situation, about God's love that is there, uh, and a song over God, and a song that's just singing uh, poetry, it's like always, um, just a song over, over him, God's love for him, his covenant love for him, he knows God is faithful, he quiets himself for that. Going on from there, um, he again goes over to a complaint, but he calls God his rock, a, a, a word that's often used in the Old Testament for the security and the safety that God provides. Uh, but, and he says to God, in light of this, because you are my rock, and, and he complains, saying things are not as they ought to be, and he lists some of the difficult things he's going through, and again uh, mentions that he is mocked, because God does not come through for him, because he's in this situation. People are, where's your God? What hope has he got? Second part ends with another interlude um, where he encourages himself, except this time it is not immediately preceded by any clear, clever, or ready answer, except a feeling of having been forgotten. But he nevertheless encourages himself to hope in God, expect that he will be delivered, and that he will have a chance to praise God after he is delivered. Going on to what is Psalm 43, which is part of the same psalm. Uh, you know, having moved between his glorious past, his difficult future, and his hope, the future he hopes for, he works himself into a fever pitch and starts petitioning God for deliverance. Instead of just zoning in and out, he's like, Focuses, praise for the, uh, sorry, uh, praise starts asking God for deliverance. You are my strong, you are my stronghold, uh, he goes on to, he, he complaining again. After he, in the next, while, next four verses, he goes between uh, complaining and, and, uh, and um, petitioning. He goes on to say, he declares who God is uh, in, in verse 2. He says, you are my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Reminding himself who God is, what a God has been to him, and asking him why is it, ought, it ought not be this way. Verse 3, again to petitioning. He says, he says to uh, ask God to send his light, his faithfulness, his leading, and, and, and to bringing him. These are all words used in the Old Testament for the deliverance of God, for God's nearness, for God's uh, involvement in the in the lives of his people. And then in verse 4, he gets the promise. A lament psalm always has a promise. It's as if the psalmist is negotiating with God, saying, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. Um, and he says, I will praise you when you, are, when you deliver me. But something beautiful there uh, that should be noted is it's not that when you deliver me, 
you will be my joy and delight. It's, God is his joy and delight now. And I think as a, when I re- return to that, there's great depth in there. Um, and at the finale again, verse 5, he just encourages himself. Still, no, he's right there at Mount Hermon on his way into captivity. No hope. No, you don't know how it's going to turn out. But he says to himself, if you put your hope in God, expect to be delivered. He expects God to deliver him. And again, uh, something that should be noted here, as in the other um, other refrains, he, ref- he calls God, you are my Savior, my Savior, and my God. He's still aware of that. He's still aware that God is involved in his life. I will um, now go over into just looking at a bit of application. How does this uh, uh, apply to us, some of these verses? Uh, having journeyed with you through it, having taken you there, I'm, I'm going to bring you back now and say, how does it help us today uh, handle difficulties? I think, first of all, uh, some points I would want to make if I haven't made it yet. It's just about the importance of lament. Uh, as I've said, the first two verses are some much-loved verses, but the appreciation for them, for them, sadly, is quite shallow because they are divorced from their context. And there's also a lesson that is missed uh, here, and that is that adversity, difficulty, difficulty can, not, not it will, not it does, it can uh, deepen your appreciation for God's nearness, deepen your appreciation for God's involvement in your life. But there's just a possibility there. And there will be some seasons in our lives uh, that we will not have ready answers. We won't understand what's going on. We won't have be able to explain to ourselves and to others what is going on. Family around us, not following God. They're like, what's going on? Where is your God? Um, and and you'll find, might find yourself in some difficult places where you just feel like you can't go on. You might even be disillusioned with with um, with God. Uh, you know. Yeah, just get disappointed with God and, and, and your family's like, where is your God? And, and you like start <laughs> joining in. You're like, that's a good question. I wonder, where is he? Like, he's really not coming through. He didn't, this is not what he said is going to happen. But life does have difficulties and it might be, you might get to a point where you reach a depth of despair that is so dramatic that you're almost embarrassed to admit it. You're embarrassed to say, this is what I'm experiencing and, and in that point, I think when you are in such difficulty, when we face difficulty, we really have one of three, uh, generally, one of three reactions that you can have. Um, uh, the first reaction, and we see, sadly, we see so much of that in the world, you just need to go to social media, is to just air it out there, just moan, just complain about everything that's going on, and you're so offended, and there's so much wrong in the world. And, and you see that in, in social media, TikTok, some people just it's just so easy, like because you know exactly what they're upset about that week, um, and and uh, I don't think that that helps. Uh, and the opposite, sadly, I think is also a lot in the world, but you don't really hear that, and that is that people just keep it bottled up, um, and that's not a good plan either, because that's going to make some trouble. Or, or for you uh, later on, further down the road, you're also going to get some trouble. It's going to come in you, some big thing, some person's going to offend you all of a sudden out of nowhere, and it's actually because of this stuffed gunk you've just been stuffing in there. 
um, which is not a good idea either. But the third option is to bring, bring our difficulties to God and also, in a way, I think it's very important, to his people. Honesty with God is, is, is of utmost importance. Uh, I'll tell you a story. In my third year, uh, Carlos made this point recently, I think maybe even in two sermons, uh, about uh, vulnerability before God. That is so important. In my third year, uh, the world, uh, in a way, was in a bit of a time of, uh, of revival. It was just, you know, people expecting revival to break out any minute. People, we were having worship services during the week at, at church, and there was still stuff going on, on in America, and we used to watch that online, and it was prayer and, 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 and healing and miracles and, and, you know, God's presence and the voice of angels and all these sort of stuff uh, going on. It was, a very, it was a heady time, you know, and, and in this time, uh, there, was a lot, there was a lot to talk about, just all the people just going on about it the whole time. And and one uh, one day on on the way to an outreach at the end or at the start of of the outreach uh, while we were still back at the Bible school, we had a soaking session. They call a soaking session. So people play some music, uh, either live or on audio, and and you just sit there in God's presence. Uh, people still do it. Uh, 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 I just mean some people do it on Friday night. You get together, you sit with God. That's a, basically a soaking session. Um, and you're meant to hear from God and just sort of be in His presence. And it was sort of in preparation for the outreach, but also just to be with God anyway. And yeah, I was feeling this heavy, heavy way down. Um, and I couldn't, couldn't understand it, didn't feel connected with God and whatever. And at one point, uh, it was, was just this thing that was uh, exposed. Uh, in me that I got to understand in that moment myself. And I said to God, God, I do not want revival. All these people, all these meetings, people just talking, it sounds like a lot of work. It's just a lot of work if there's a revival. I don't feel like this. I just, I don't feel like this. Now, I mean, uh, aside the matter from my heart that was not in a good place, but the thing that was also uh, um, that there's nothing really in that moment when I said that. I thought, like, you know, what on earth? Uh, but, but, but I felt God's presence so much. And going into that outreach, I, there's just nothing that did maybe one, like, thing that did so much for my relationship with God, for my intimacy with God, than being, uh, being honest with Him. And I think sometimes also when the word, you know, 1 John 5, verse 3 says, the Lord's commands are not burdensome. And I think sometimes if it seems, like, difficult for us, it seems heavy to be near God, to do what God wants to, to um, do what God desires. I think our, our, our hearts are just not right. You're not, there's some difficulty, some things just need to be brought into the light. Uh, because I think if we're near God and we, we see Him and we live near Him, and, and I'll get to some more stuff, I think then that is going to be, um, we'll get to the point where it's not burdensome. Um, it's a joy to do things for God, but I think if, Sometimes we misunderstand him. We, we, we see him wrong. And that makes that we, uh, we, we think he's meek because we just don't see him right. So back to lamenting. I th- it's important that we bring it to God. He can handle it. Okay? 
uh, just read the Psalms. If you, if you want to Google all, like, what are the, all the lament Psalms and read through them, there's some, there's some mean stuff in there. Uh, but people are coming to God with it. Um, and also reading it with care, <laughs> just saying if you don't have, uh, is, is also necessary. But I think if, if, if we can manage, if we can teach ourselves to be aware of God in times of difficulty, I think you will have learned something that's going to serve you for your life. Uh, because that's just that's just not uh, not that it's not easy, but it's just so vital. It's so you know difficulties is going to come. Okay, this is the world, um, and and uh, if you can learn that, that would be amazing. And something I've been aware of about God for for many years, and um, I'm glad to yeah I just just grow in the depth of it. Um, is that though God does not promise, we would like it if God promises somewhere in the word. God promises us the you know that difficulties will be removed um right but God never promises us that but God does promise to be with us in the difficulties um and to help us bear it he can, he can make it so that we are not affected by things that people would really be crushed by and I think that those are beautiful moments because in the same <laughs> Those same people that was mocking us, saying, where is your God? Those people will be confused. <laughs> What's going on now? What are you using? And can I have some? <laughs> um, moving on now to, I think I have now said something about the importance of lament. I also want to look at from these verses and some other ideas, um, biblical, lamenting biblically, right? There's some things we see in Scripture. Um, and I think, uh, first of all, about the matter of responsibility, I think we have to take stewardship. We have to take ownership, first of all, and then you have to steward your difficulty rather than just ignoring it and hoping it goes away or keeping it bottled up or even spewing it out the whole time. You have to steward it. Even moaning about difficulty is not going to make difficulty go away. That's not happening for anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, we have to bring it to God, and I think it's also clever to bring it to God's people. Speak to uh, leaders and speak to fellow Christians uh, to about the difficulty you're going through. That let them walk with you. Again, honesty with God is important here. Um, but moving on, I want to look at just some ideas of, of attitude to have in difficulty. Um, now, there will be mocking people. There will be family members, co-workers that will mock us uh, if, if we have said, maybe we said, maybe we called them because we wanted you know, for them to be in awe of God to say, this is going to happen, or I'm trusting God for this, or I'm giving myself for this, and now it's not happening. People are either uh, saying it, or you know they're thinking it. What, what now? Where is your God? <laughs> um, and um, I think, there might be, you might think as a moment of embarrassment for God in the circumstances. But I think God is really untouched by what unbelievers think about him. Um, and I think he's, he's not going to deliver you out of difficulty so that the unbelievers would. I think he's maybe more committed to forming us in the difficulty. Um, and I think that uh, if, if he can get that, I think he would, he would much more uh, pay the ticket. Something else as well about attitude. I just want to make a separation here between, lam between lamenting and grumbling. 
Anointing is a biblical thing. Okay, you bring your difficulty to God. You're very honest. You think also about, I'm going to get to more how-to now. You think about things we've done before. That's a, that's a, biblical, um, a biblical sort of thing. Now, grumbling is also biblical. You see it in the biblical, in the Bible, especially wherever you find pestilence and fire breaking out and snakes. <laughs> um, there's a difference between lamenting and grumbling. And sometimes, and you need, to, you need to be sensitive to God as well, that he shows you what is going on in your heart. Sometimes you will want to uh, repent from lamenting. That's not a thing to do. But also other times you, you think you're lamenting, but really you're just grumbling. You're, you're moaning is what's going on. Um, and I think you need to be sensitive to God. And also here the help of the church comes in. Get people to journey with you. Good people, good friends that will not just tell you what you want to hear, but will say, I think you're being a bit spoiled now. Um, and, and that can help you to understand and see where you are. Just also in the, uh, you know, when you're in a difficult time, you know, whether it's a child that is just at a difficult age or, or you're some time of interacting with your family over a certain thing, uh, and you're a bit, you know, it's a difficult time. We can sometimes be, okay, this is difficult. I have to, uh, you know, I have to bear this now. Uh, it's fine uh, because the end will come. And you're sort of straying towards the end. Um, and I think you're wasting an opportunity when you are uh, in that difficulty or it's a family, some illness or whatever. Uh, and I think rather, because it's such a beautiful time uh, to, to offer, to sacrifice your preference to God or sacrifice, not the preference, but to sacrifice to God in, in being willing, saying, God, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't quite understand it. I don't even know if you're involved here. But I believe, Lord, that you are with me. And I remember the good you have done. And I know that you are with me in this situation. And I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not going to be consumed by this thing. I know I'm eternally secure. Just start, and, and I think if you can offer by that, but to be, to say, God, I will willingly go through this. I think also, and um, yeah, I just, I just stopped there. I think um, I wanted to say this. Um, yeah, I'll just go on here. I say without denying, uh, uh, lament absolutely is important. And without denying the difficulty you go through, uh, I would say that you do have a choice in what you focus on in life. Like I said in, in 42.8, um, you know, he stops himself. The psalmist stops himself to think about God's love and to sing and to pray about it. I think you have a choice about what you want to focus on. The other thing also is if, if you can uh, declare the good things of God's nature, things you know is true about God, even though it is not part of your lived experience at any given moment. I think there's a steadying. You know, it, it makes you steady. No one is denying that the waves and the breakers are like really punching you. That's going to happen sometimes, okay? And you, you have, as a believer in the sovereignty of God, you have to believe God is in it. Uh, but if you can declare, declare, well, God, you are my rock, you are my stronghold, and to use that in the difficulty and remind God of that, uh, I think that'll, that'll steady you in the difficulty. 
I will also um, something just about what you focused on. Uh, if you can, I think if you can remain in a place where God is your joy and your delight, like he was the psalmist, even as he says, will you please deliver me? You are my joy and my delight. I think if we can, uh, if we can stay in a place where God is in the present tense, our joy and our delight, I think a life would make a lot more sense. I think uh, difficult things would be a lot easier to deal with because of that steadiness. Uh, because your, your, our eyes, our delight, our joy is found in God. Um, and we're also more likely to ask things uh, that he is likely to give. Everybody knows Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The point of that verse is not to get what you want. The point is to have your heart changed. So that God, you, what you want, what God is actually giving, uh, that, 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 that is about us changing. It's not about getting stuff. Um, just more on how to, um, how to do it or what to do in the midst of difficulty. I think remembering is incredibly important. Uh, remembering the goodness of God uh, in the past. If we can remember, we will be thankful for what God has done. I think we will also be be, uh, settled in in what God is doing now or just feeling a bit more secure and also be able to endure. Uh, Endurance is a thing. Sometimes in the New Testament even, it it just says endure. It doesn't say, you know, there is some uh, exit point or it's going to get easier or whatever. I mean, these boys, they were facing serious persecution. Uh, we, we, We don't, you know... Family that leave you alone to be a Christian and mock you every now and then, that's like, that's like a cakewalk compared to what the first century Christians. And they sometimes are just being told, endure. And I think, yeah, just again, as well in the psalm, the, the psalmist remembers that God is his savior. In the refrain, again, again, he says, I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. God is still his savior. I mean, he's on his way to captivity. Hello. But he's, he knows. Um, but then also, another point of how to, I think there's a import, there is a biblical, there is biblical scope for us to straight up ask God for release from a difficult situation. Whether it's a boss that's just horrible uh, and, and uh, just wants to eat you the whole time, or a family member that's just so difficult and so selfish and knows just where to press the button. Um, I think we can ask God. I think there's scope. But I think it has to be on his terms. Uh, and we have to listen to him. You know, in, in uh, um, James 4.3, it says, you, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask for the wrong reasons. And, and I, we have to also just, that's why I, what I said earlier, we have to listen to God. We have to commune with him, be in, uh, be in community as well with other believers, because it might just be, uh, when we ask for relief, is, is, you know, do you just want to get out, do you want the situation to just go away, or do you want the situation to be fixed, for there to be restoration, for there to grow through it, to learn through it. So I think there is scope to ask, God, this is unrighteous the way this boss is treating me. But also just be before God and be open to him working in you and showing you things. And, 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 and be before the church. Be able to be uh, willing to be challenged by your fellow believers. Um, 
coming to close here now. Uh, I just want to. I have a question. For the bonus round, uh, you can. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and in the bonus round, you can answer in Greek, in English, or Hebrew. Um, tell me if you know, if you want to venture a guess. What is the darkest lament ever uttered? The most difficult dark words ever uttered. Yes. Well done. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was the darkest uh, words ever uttered by Jesus on the cross when he was truly forsaken uh, by God. I think that's it's a, it's a lesson here for us, but just to, to uh, go back a bit, uh, the fact that Jesus mourned, we just have to look at that as well. You know, when he just said to his disciples, uh, in, when they went to go pray in Gethsemane, he said, my soul is, over, uh, is overwhelmed with sorrow. And he goes on to pray. Now, we, uh, when you read a story, you need to absorb all the details. We all often forward to the end. You, you know, when you think of Abraham, uh, who sacrificed Isaac, uh, and you know in the end, God, de but God delivers him, whatever, gives a ram and so on. But when you're reading a story, you have to be in the moment, okay? <laughs> and we rush when it comes to Jesus to the part. And then he says, uh, not my will, but yours be done. <laughs> As if that's, that's, the, that's the only reality. He was living through what was going before him. Uh, and, and he says to his disciples uh, in Gethsemane, my, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. And actually in the psalm uh, that I read where it says, it says, why, my soul, are you, are you downcast? The word that was chosen to translate that Hebrew into Greek for the first century, well, just before the first century in Jesus' time, is the same word that Jesus uses here to say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. And we, we sometimes forget that in the Luke account, also in Gethsemane, Jesus is praying, some angels come to steady him and say, you know, they're there and, and so on. They leave. He starts praying more earnestly. And then he does his stretch become blood. Well, the, the angels, I seen, didn't, didn't do a very good job. <laughs> Jesus didn't seem very settled. Um, but Jesus went through the ultimate crisis. And I think there are two lessons here for us. First is... Jesus lamented. Jesus admitted he is, he is going through difficulty. Jesus, and I don't think just to fulfill scripture or be cute, be cute he genuinely asked God, is there, is, is there a plan B? He asked that. It's not to fulfill some prof prophecy. The, the gospel doesn't say, unless he said to fulfill some prophecy. No. Is there another way? And we should remember that, I think, because if he can do it, then there's scope for us to bring the difficulty to God and say, God, this is difficult. Help me make sense of this. While we remember all the good things that he has done and, and who he is, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what we're going through at the moment. That's one thing. Jesus' example there as well. But then also the fact that he, he did go through the ultimate crisis so that we do not have to. 
And that, that, that's, that's a good thing. No, no one, you might get people who complain more than Jesus, but no one ever, uh, the words will be so deep as what Jesus' words were when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That God, that he became, uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, it says, he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, to reconcile us to himself. And, and, and that is, and look, I'm up here preaching about lamenting. I'm not saying, you know, you're saved, take a chill. That's not what I'm saying. That's not the point. But nevertheless, let, we, let us be worshipful and in awe, no matter what the circumstances, for the fact that no matter what, our, our um, salvation cannot be touched. Nothing you go through, no mocking of family, no horrible boss, Nothing can touch the fact, no, no death in the family, no illness, nothing can touch your salvation. And I think if we can hold on to that, that will steady us at, at a level that's, li that's like nothing. Um, but we have hope for, uh, have hope for um, eternity. Um, and as much as, you know, it says in Psalm 56 verse 8 that the psalmist says, you keep my tears in a bottle. That's so beautiful. You know, God is not aloof from our suffering now. But as much as that is true, in, in Revelation 21, 4, it says, you will wipe away every tear. It talks about when he comes back. And that will be a final relief. That will be freedom from all difficulties. And, and that is where our ultimate hope is. So much of the New Testament is not how nice life will be here. Not that it's escapist. Let's just go in a hole there and wait for Jesus. But there is saying, there's a hope, the full adoption of the sons of God. When the end comes, that's where our hope is. Uh, though we suffer now, we don't, we endure. Uh, Carl read that, Second, second uh, Peter 1, verse 3 to 6, last week, uh, that though we suffer now, there is eternal weight of glory waiting for us uh, to be revealed at the end. So, Maybe I'll just pray for us. Um, yeah, thank you, Father, that you are not indifferent to our difficulty. Uh, Father, thank you that you are near us uh, in our difficulty. Thank you, Lord, that we can be honest with you, that we do not just have to deal. Uh, Lord, that we can be honest and, and, and bring our difficulty to you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, help us to remember who you are and what you have done when it's difficult. Help us with the, with the family. Thank you for the family, Lord, your, your uh, body that's been there to support us as well, Father. And to help us make sense when things are so just um, cook, <laughs> just, so, just so jumbled up that you just can't figure out what, which side is up, uh, that we have the family. We have your spirit and we have the family to help us make sense of it, Father. Lord, may we mourn biblically, Lord. May we bring our difficulty to you, Lord, to be dealt with rather than dealing with it some other way, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, that you became God-forsaken. Truly God for only time someone was really God-forsaken. You became for us. Thank you, Jesus. just uh, want to say, you know, one, one, of the, one of the most wrong things that we can do, and I think it's just so part of ingraining in our, in our church culture, is um, who's going through a difficult, well, 
Let's close our eyes. I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that to be. I'm not saying you have to do it now, but I'm just saying that's how. Let's close our eyes. That works. All right. Who of you is going for a difficult time? Put up. But I, I'm, I'm just trying to illustrate the point. Now, I go and I say, in Jesus' name, touch them and take it away. So I, uh, um, and I think there was a, there's a certain, there's a certain time in the church where they, the, the power of God was denied to such an extent that we comfort ourselves that everything is a process so that we don't have to trust God for anything. Right? But I think in some ways we've, we've flipped to the other extreme completely. That everything that we face can just be taken away by the laying in of hands and an altar call. And the art of lamenting, the art of wrestling through God, will bring me on the other side so much more complete and so much more fuller. I think it's lost in charismatic Christianity. So I, uh, um, yesterday, and I actually just felt, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think there's so much in there for what God is speaking to us here. It's just, I know it's like, it's just the teacher just pulling out a psalm there, but I think it's prophetically for us in the way that we're going to raise up people, where we don't just raise up a shallow, close your eyes in the name of Jesus, make everything better, right? Um, uh, I, I read, Judges 3 says, Judges 3 says, in those days, it's after the Joshua generation. In those days, God left five kings of the enemy in the promised land. So to test the people of Israel, because a generation came that didn't know how to war. Wow. So in some ways, God kept the enemy in the promised land, so that a generation that has not learned how to war will learn how to war. We have created a Christianity that promised no war. And somehow in the way that we grow, I tell you, is in the way of war. I, I, I shared with the guys yesterday, actually this is, this is, this is a sermon. I, I, don't, I can't spoil anything now because God spoke to me. I think it's like such a God word. But if you, if you watch the, the Chronicles of Narnia, right, there is, uh, um, there's this one scene where Lucy is the youngest one, right? She's attacked by a wolf. And all the army is there of Aslan's people are there, and they want to go and help Lucy. And Aslan goes, no, don't. This is her war. And the only way that she's going to come stronger is <laughs> that. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Wrong guy, Peter, Peter. One of the guys, one of the children, sorry. <laughs> I thought my wife is away, now I got <laughs> But it, it was in this, in, in this, in this, no. I'm not going to interfere and take away the war. It is in this process. I, I can't, the skill of lamenting, the skill of knowing the difference between lamenting and grumbling. And we don't even go there. It's just so shallow in some, in some of the Christianity that we are, we are creating, right? 
about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> anyway, so I still also like to pray. I, 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 not, not, not that God will take away our wars, you know, but, but we desire to go deeper in the Lord. We, 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 we create, we desire to discover Him more. And so Jesus, I first even subtly said it now, I thank you that never again, never again, any one of us will ever have to pray this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thank you, God, that with every war, with everything that you are placing us with, we face it with this assurance, my God is with me. Oh God, oh God, I thank you, even, even though it feels like it, don't take the Holy Spirit away from me. Thank you that we know that you will never, never do it. And that you promise it because of once for all, there was a forsaken of that which is sin, so that we will never again experience that which Jesus has experienced. Jesus, we want to learn how to discover you. We want to learn how to grow up in you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that there will come a generation that will know how to war. That will know how to war and how to rely on God. Father, <laughs> we want to move deeper than quick fix Christianity, altar call Christianity, one, two, three, life is better. We don't want to settle on that mountain. We want to go from glory to glory. Teach us how to lament on you. Teach us how to lean on you. Teach us how to journey on you. Teach us how to rely on what you've done that's already given. <laughs> we trust you, God. We trust you, God. We are on this journey with you. In Jesus' name.